Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I, I lost Pastor Javon on the front row. He's always talking about his raising case. It's over. He's out. He's gone. Okay, okay, okay. No, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm thinking about it. Y'all need a laugh or something. Counting it all as garbage that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I, I said this in the four. I tweeted it today. How do you know that you know Christ? Your desire to know him proves that you know him. If you don't want to know him, you don't know him. Paul knew Christ, but he wanted to know Christ. And that is the sign. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power Raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, this is Matthew 11. Uh, If this scripture is familiar to you, great. If it's not, I would encourage you to become familiar with this verse because it is so powerful. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus said, he said it to them and he says it to you and he says it to us tonight. Come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. One more scripture, and we will pray. Um, This is Psalm 119, verse 68, one of my favorite scriptures. And the Lord really gave me this as I, you know, grew up a church kid and a religious kid and was very afraid of God. There is the fear of the Lord, which means to be in awe of God. But I was afraid of God. And he gave me this scripture and it's been a life scripture for me. You are good. And you only do good. This is the God that we serve. He is good and he does good things. Can I get an amen from somebody? He is good and he does good. He only does good. Uh, I want to talk today from Philippians chapter four. Paul said, but I focus on this one thing. I want to talk about one thing, one thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. And Lord, I pray that our prayer would be the prayer of the apostle that we would know Christ. Wherever that leads us, wherever that takes us, uh, that's okay. We're, we're willing to go wherever you call us as long as we go there with you. And Lord, I pray that you would let people, to know, uh, let people today know that you love them and that you're for them and that you're calling them to yourself. 
And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Uh, uh, let me see your hand. Who's ever been in love? Can I see your hand? Thought you were in love. Let me see young people. I know y'all thought you've been in love. If you're married, you better raise your hand. You're like, oh, I'm married. No, have you been in love? Uh, my first love was with a girl named Jessica Hurst. Sorry, baby. <laughs> I'm married, but my wife is not my first love. She's my last love, but she wasn't my first love. Amen. And uh, my first love, Jessica Hurst, uh, I was five. And she was fine. Blonde hair, blue eyes, looking good in all the right places. Amen. And uh, I was in love with this girl. I was five. She was 16. But what is impossible for man, nothing is impossible for the Lord. And I just thought this is going to work. She's going to love me. I love her. And, and I was in love with Jessica. And I was in love with her for many reasons. Some were selfish. I loved her because she had a pool at her house. Now, when you're from the hood, you don't have a pool. You have, uh, you, 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 you got a water hose. That's what you got. And when you're really hood like we were, your dad would take you at midnight to the golf course to run through the sprinklers. For real. So that, that was our swimming pool, was, was a water hose and a sprinkler. That was it. And so, but she had a pool in the ground pool. That was a big deal in Belen, New Mexico, population 1700. Okay, when you have a pool, that's for real. 1700, there's more people in this room than were in my town. Okay, she had a pool. And so we loved it. And uh, we went to her house one day to swim. And my, my mom grabbed me as I was about to jump in the water. She said, honey, you cannot go in the deep end. You have to stay in the shallow end. And I said, why is that? She goes, you can't swim. And I said, no, mom, I can swim. I can run through sprinklers. I'm amazing. I can take baths. I can take showers. I'm all, I can swim. And she said, no, honey, you, you can't swim. Your feet always touch the bottom. You can't swim. You have to stay in the shallow end. So I'm in the shallow end. I'm having fun. I'm playing around and I'm, I'm having a great day. But then uh, a problem arose and the problem was that I was in the shallow end but can y'all guess where Jessica was she's in the deep end and uh and I said I, I gotta get to her so I began to walk to my girl and I think I'm swimming I'm walking but I think you know the water's up to here I think I'm swimming but I'm not swimming I'm walking and uh, I'm screaming Jessica you know as I'm going she doesn't hear me Jessica I'm just thinking I just gotta get a little closer just gotta get a little closer uh, but the pool begins to descend and uh, the water gets higher and higher. And pretty soon I'm underwater, you know, screaming. And girl didn't hear me. She broke my heart just like that. And uh, I'm, I'm now underwater and I realize very quickly I, I cannot swim. <laughs> it was real. It was a true story. And so I'm underwater. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden I just feel this massive hand reach through the water, grab my neck, throw me onto the concrete and duh, I'm beginning to open my eyes and I think I'm going to have a sandlot moment. Amen. If y'all go watch the movie, okay? Y'all been fasting too long. And so, so, and, and I open my eyes and I think it's going to happen. And, and, and there is a woman over me and she is blonde, but it's not Jessica. It's my mama. And she goes, I told you, you can't swim. And I said, mama, and I fell in love with my mama. Because at that very moment, I, I connected the, the commandments of my mom 
with the heart of my mom. I realized in that moment that my mom didn't want me in the shallow end just to keep me from fun. She didn't just wake up on the wrong side of the bed in a bad mood and decided I I don't want him to have fun today. No, she was protecting me. And you got to know this, that the commandments of God are not a wall that are keeping you trapped in. They are a hedge of protection that are keeping the enemy out. That God did not wake up one morning in a bad mood and decide to tell you what to do and what not to do. But rather, God knows what's best for you. He created you. He loves you. He has a plan for you and a future for you. And therefore, he tells us what to do, not because he's angry or not because he's trying to keep things from you, but rather he is trying to keep the enemy away from you. The Lord is good and he only does good. You have got to get this in your mind. You got to get this in your heart. You got to get this in your theology every time you pray, every time you read your Bible, every time you worship, every time you come to the house of God, God is good and he only does good. Therefore, that what the Lord is telling me, what the Lord is leading me, where the Lord is guiding me, everything about God is good. He only does good. There is no shadow or turning in him. He is not shady. He has no shade. He is perfect light. And everything that God does in my life is for my good. For his glory, and I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to stand in that. If you believe the Lord is good, let's give him some praise real quick. Just real quick. He's a good God. He's in a good mood. This is the God that we serve. So Jesus now calls us and he says, come to me. He does not say come to church. Come to another religious meeting. Come to the Holy Ghost revival. Come to the conference. All those things are great and we should do all those. But if you do those things and do not come to Jesus, you've missed it. Because we serve a God of relationship and we serve a God who is always calling us to himself. And everything that he has orchestrated, he has orchestrated in order to have relationship with us. So he created the church to bring us to himself. He created godly relationships to bring us to himself. He's ordained moves of the Holy Spirit and revivals and set up men of God, not to bring us to them, but to bring us back to him. He has set up the word, not that we would stop at the word, but that this word would lead us to the living word, that it would lead us to him. He's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. This is what God wants. He wants relationship with you. And no matter what you've done and no matter how disqualified you feel, you must know this. He is calling you by name. I met a man at the four o'clock. I got to pray with him to receive Jesus. His name was Daniel. He had never, he was 28, never, ever, 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 ever been in a church ever in his life. That's cool for a clap. That's great. That's great. Never been to church. Praise God. Who won the football game? He had never, 28 years, never been to church. And before he ever called on the name of Jesus, Jesus called on his name. And he said, come to me. Doesn't matter. And guess what? He came with his girlfriend. His girlfriend's all knocked up. Hey! Isn't this great news? They found out last week they're pregnant. And they walk into church. Never been to a church. And they came to this church at the four o'clock and got saved. And heard Jesus say, 
Come to me. Come to me with that baby. Come to me with that relationship. Come to me with your questions. Come to me with your confusion. Come to me with your sin. I'm not intimidated by the mess. I'm not going to say, go get married and then come to me. Dedicate the baby to the Lord and then come to me. Work out your issues. No, no, no. Jesus has come just as you are, but I love you so much. I will not leave you as you are. Anybody grateful that he called you? And before I ever called his name, he called my name. He said, come to me. And today he's calling you. He's saying, come to me. And then he says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't understand this terminology, but every rabbi had a yoke. It was their teaching. It was their trademark. Like our pastor has a yoke for fasting. It's part of his anointing. It's part of his grace. It's part of his yoke. It's part of his burden. It's part of what God has placed on him. Other ministers may have healing or prosperity or holiness, whatever it might be. Jesus says, I have a yoke and it's radically different than the religious system you have known. But before we get onto the yoke and the teaching, first just come to me. I want you to know why I do what I do, why I say what I say, and why I move the way I move, and why I heal the way I heal. And I want you to understand my personality. I want you to understand the inflection of my voice. I want you to know that I am good, and I only do good. This is the God that we serve, and today he's he's calling us to himself. Friend, you can have a relationship with Jesus. There's a very startling statistic and. I want every young person here, I want every person under 18, raise your hand. Every person under 18, look at all these young people. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm old. Give them a big hand. Give them a big hand. Under 18. Under 25. Oh, Lord, this is a youth revival. Look at all these hands. Not as many people can clap. Everybody's raising their hand. Look at me real quick. Look at me, youngins, and all you who want to be young, so you raise your hand anyway, but you're 50, but you said, yeah, in the spirit. Okay. Look, 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 look. 85, 85% of young people who grow, who grow up in church will leave the church when they graduate high school. Why? Because they didn't actually know Jesus. They knew about him. And young person, Jesus cannot be Jake's God. He has to be your God. Young person, he cannot be your parents' God. He has to be your God. This last, in the last four years, we flew one million miles around the world, screaming at kids all over the world, telling them about Jesus. Why? Because when I was 14, I met Jesus and, I, and I've known Jesus. And so I know it's possible. So I go all over the world screaming at young people, these kind of messages, telling them you can actually know, this doesn't have to be religion. This doesn't have to just be something that your parents are into or something that your grandmother's into or something that your pastor's into. You can know Jesus for yourself. This doesn't just have to be where you know about God. You can know God for yourself. And when you go on that college campus, It doesn't matter what that atheist says. It doesn't matter what that professor says because they can try to come with theory and they can try to come with the, by the way, it's the theory of evolution and they can try to tell you that you a dog, that you a monkey, that you're nothing better than an animal, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am from God and I have overcome the world because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm a God idea. 
And you can know Jesus and no matter what people throw at you, you can know him for yourself. And you can say, I may not have all the theology or all the science behind it, but I, but I know God's will because I know him. Don't, don't settle for anything less. And now Paul is in prison towards the end of his life under house arrest. And he makes this radical declaration. He says, he says I want to know Christ. Now you got to understand that many of Paul's letters he did not write himself, but he spoke them and then he had a scribe who wrote them. I want you to imagine Paul is in prison for preaching Christ. This scribe who would have been with him would have watched this man pray and read the Torah hours and hours a day. He had nothing else to do. Couldn't go on Instagram. <laughs> he has given his life to the gospel and he looks at his young scribe and he says, write this down. Tell the Philippian church, I want to know Christ. And the young scribe would say, you, you do, but there's more. There, there's more. See, we pray, I want more of God. But in reality, God wants more of you. <laughs> Paul says, there's more for me to decrease and there's more for him to increase. There's, there's more that I can surrender. There's more that I can know. I, I, I know there's more to this. I, I know there's more of Jesus that I can know. I know there is more. And he says, I want to know Christ. I want you to know that you can know him. I have a friend who, um, he's a, or I, I read an interview, I'm sorry, about a famous person who, who uh, he's my friend. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. He's a famous person and he, and he said, you know, years ago before cell phones are how they are, he said, you know, he'd walk through the airport or through whatever and people would walk up to him, he's famous, and they would go, Oh, oh my gosh, hello. And they would introduce themselves and they would get to know each other and they would tell two minutes, five minutes of their story and it was a, it was a powerful connection, you know. And he said, but now people just run up to him. They don't say their name. They don't, they don't shake hands. They just run up and they go, can I have a selfie? And he goes, sure. You know, you could ask how my day's going or if I want to have a coffee, but okay, okay, let's have a selfie. And he says, he'll walk through airports. He'll walk, can I have a selfie? Can I have a selfie? And then they, they run off. And he said, it's so crazy. They've, they've settled for an image of me. When, when they could actually know me. And then they post on Instagram like they know me, but they don't know me. They just got a picture of me. And, and God forbid we, we, we settle for an image. God forbid we, we settle for a cross around our neck. And yeah, yeah, I go to church on Easter. Oh yeah, I go to church on Sundays. And, and we've settled for an image of religion. We've settled for an image of relationship. But, but we have never really met Jesus face to face. See, I, I know my wife. We've been married nine years. We've been dating since uh, she was 15. I was 17. And so 15 years. First date, went to McDonald's. She got a Happy Meal. I got a quarter pounder. Hey. It was a cheap date, but amen. That's all I could afford. We were in high school. Been together all these years. Now, there's a lot of time we're apart because of, of travel and, you know, selfies are great and pictures are great. Images are great, but, but, but nothing, you know, I don't, I don't get home from a long trip and go, hey, I didn't even miss you. That picture was 
plenty. I saw that Instagram post. How you doing? Oh, I miss her because the image doesn't cut it. Friend, you can know Jesus. Not where it's just an image. Not where it's just a, a pop in on, on Sunday night and you, you, you sing a couple of songs and hear a good message and throw a couple of quarters in the offering bucket. No, you can know Jesus. You can know him. Paul says, I want to know Christ. And let me just give you three reasons I see from the text that Paul says this. Number one, he says in verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite, catch this, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want to know Jesus because he is limitless. Jesus is infinite. The infinite value. The word infinite means there is no end. The word infinite means impossible to measure. Impossible to calculate. This is the God that we serve. It's, it's imp- he is impossible to over-exaggerate. Has anyone ever, you know, told you a, a, about a great movie and they, ah, they tell you how great it is and then you watch it and you go, oh man, that wasn't great at all. You can't do that with Jesus. He's impossible to over-exaggerate. That's why Paul calls preaching. He says preaching is foolishness. He says it is ridiculous what we have to get up here and do. Because we're trying to tell you about a God that we really can't explain. He can only be experienced because he is infinite. He is everlasting. He is impossible to calculate. There is no end to him. He's so... ah! That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost because our language doesn't cut it. We got nothing else to say. ah! This is all we got. And he says, it's crazy when we get up and try to preach and try to explain to you what can't be explained. But if you know, you know. But if you don't know, you don't know. But if you know, you know. How many know? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Because once you know, hey, once you know, it makes sense. It's like, I get it now. Paul says he's limitless, man. Isaiah 41 says he's the everlasting God. He does not run out. See, that's what we call marijuana a gateway drug because eventually it doesn't cut it anymore. So you got to go to the next tie and then the next tie and then you need an upper and then you need a downer and then you need a downer and then you need an upper and then you need more and more and more. And it's never enough because it, because it runs out. And the high gives way, and then you got to get high again. And the bottle doesn't satisfy, and the sexual partners don't satisfy. So we get into deeper and deeper sexual issues. Because everything in this world has an end. But our God is the Omega. He has no end. You'll never find the end of Him. Right when you think you found the end of Him, you're back at the beginning, and you start all over. This is the God... That we serve, he's limitless, he satisfies. I want you to think about the lyrics we sang. This song, One Thing, and I'm sorry I'm yelling so much, I'm Mexican. We only have a 10, okay? I scream like this when I'm playing Halo. I scream like this in football games. This is how we do it. I scream at restaurants. I scream, we scream. I scream for ice cream. Okay. 
Look what these lyrics say, because we sang it, not, sometimes we miss it. I tasted the world, seen more than enough, its promises fleeting. Maybe we can get them up there, I'm not sure. While you, while you get them up there. Uh, about a year ago, my brother, he's a, a big thing in Vegas. He does a lot of VIP stuff. And so um, he works in Vegas at a top hotel. And he said, hey, I'm having an employee party at uh, Tau, the largest nightclub in uh, Hakkasan, the largest nightclub in the world, Hakkasan, for all you wanting to know. And so it's important. And he goes, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, because I'm not afraid. And uh, I have no plans to do anything. I said, yeah, I'll go with you to your party. And so for all of you who are offended, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Okay. And for all you 15-year-olds like, see, mom, I can go to the club. Shut up. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm grown. I have a mortgage. I pay my own cell phone bill. I can do what I want to do. Don't, uh-uh, no, no. No. I'm grown. I ain't got dad's credit card, okay? I got my own, okay? So, but, I, but I'm 32 and I said, yeah, I'll go with you. And I, I was so embarrassed for these adults. I mean, they're 40, they're 50, they're 30, and they're, they're drinking green drinks and blue drinks and, 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 and margaritas that are, a, you know, a liter long and, and they're dancing and they think they're cool. And I just want to go, sir, can I please film you so you can watch yourself? But this is the world. Look, please look at the lyrics. Please look at the lyrics. I tasted the world, see more than enough. It's promises fleeting. There's nothing there, man. It's so empty. Look, look what it goes on to say. The water and wine, I emptied the cup. Friend, you'll get to the bottom of the bottle and it's not enough. And I'm not just talking about the bottle of alcohol. I'm talking about the bottom of this world. It, it promises so much. Once you make this much money, you'll be happy. And then you make it and you're still not happy. And once you finally get a home on Laguna Beach and you're still, there's still something missing. In. And once your husband finally starts acting correct and then he is finally normal and Something's still missing. Why? Because it's not enough. I, we empty the cup. But look what it goes on to say. And I still find myself wanting. But there is a well that never runs dry. This is the gospel, friend. This is good news. The water of life. The blood of the vine. I'm telling you. What, what, what the American dream cannot give you, Jesus can give you. I'm telling you. Paul says he's limitless. I have not found the end of him and we never will. I was just thinking about this today. I've, I, you know, I, I fell in love with the Bible when I was 17, 2001. Fell in love with the Bible. Sovereignly, I was in a church service and God spoke to me and I fell in love with this book. I, I have read... Just the book of Romans alone, I mean hundreds and hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And every time I read it, it's fresh. And every time I read it, there's something real that comes alive. And I go, wow, I've never, wow, I've never, wow, I've never seen. Why? Because he is the living word. Every time I pray, that doesn't mean you don't have to break through sometimes and press in. But that's why we can sing a 200-year-old hymn and it's, and it's awesome. 
The him is an awesome. He is awesome. And when you sing about him, the him is powerful. Because he's, he's infinite. Number two, in, Paul says this in verse 10. I'm sorry, I got to. Oh, man, I'm just sorry. I'm so loud tonight. Here we go. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Here's what Paul said. He's not saying I want to suffer. He's saying if knowing Christ leads to suffering in this world, that's fine. Whatever, Whatever happens, happens because Jesus is that awesome. That's what he's saying. Sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to say it this way. Paul said, I want to know Jesus because in Christ, I cannot lose. You always win because he is undefeated. And if I'm in him and he never loses, I never lose. Doesn't mean there isn't pain. Doesn't mean there aren't tears. Doesn't mean there aren't unanswered questions. It doesn't mean there aren't seasons where, where nothing makes sense. But it does mean that if you'll hold on to him, and he is holding on to you, you will make it through and you will come out on the other side going, I, I don't even know how I didn't kill myself. I don't know how I didn't die. I don't know how we didn't fall apart. I don't know how I didn't go to jail. I don't know how we didn't have to file bank. I don't know how it... But, but here I am on the other side because in Jesus, he is the anchor that, of your soul that will hold to you no matter what you're going through. And he will sustain you in every season. Look how he says it in Isaiah 61 verse 3. He said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll make something beautiful out of something that is destroyed. So you don't get ashes without fire. And it has been destroyed. It has been burnt down to nothing. And God says, I can make something beautiful out of that. And you might feel like it's all gone and it's all been consumed by the enemy. But God says, I can make it beautiful again. Because this is the God that we serve. Look at Genesis 50, 20. You planned evil against me. But God used those same plans for my good. It's as if God watches the enemy plan against us. And he says, I'm going to take that same thing and I'm going to turn the whole thing around for your good. And no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what the fire, no matter what the trial, no matter what the pain, God says, I can make it good. I can turn it for your good. I can redeem it. I can turn it. I can... I can give you a story out of brokenness. I I can make it good again. This is the God that we serve. A few months ago, we went through a real challenging season. And um, how many have ever gotten bad news out of nowhere? I mean, punch you in the gut. You want to cuss and eat ice cream. Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm saying? Now, if you're spiritual, you fast and pray. But for some of us, we eat ice cream and we say bad words. Okay. And so... Just kidding. And so anyway, uh, (laughs) I got bad news. I was in my car in the Target parking lot and I read the text and I just, I started crying. But 
but I know Christ. I know him. I don't know about him. I know him. I know him. I know Jesus and he knows me. And I didn't, I didn't shake my fist at heaven and say, why God? Why? I didn't. And, and, and if, and if you've done that, there's grace. I'm not, I'm not beating you up if you have. I'm just saying in that moment, I just, I turned on worship music because that's all. Because see, Jay-Z isn't going to get you through. And Ariana Grande isn't going to get you through. And I'm not hating. And wh- whoever you love, it's not, you need the presence of God. You need a secret place. You need to know Jesus. Because when life is real, you need a real God. Pastor Javon said it better than anything. We're not facing shallow problems. We can't have a shallow relationship with God. And I, and I turned on worship and I opened my hands and I said, and it just came out of me. I didn't think about it. I didn't, I said, Lord, I love you. <sighs> the situation didn't change. But he is changing me. And one day I'll tell that story. And I'll help a lot of people. But until then, there's a little mm, in my heart that I'm just limp enough and broke enough. And, and I've just got a little, I've, it's tender enough that I can, I'm helping people right now. I can't tell the whole story. One day I will. But, I, but, I, but, but God will make the devil pay for what he did to me. You meant it for my evil, but God, this will not destroy me because I'm already dead. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with him and I've risen up in new life with Jesus. And now everything that the devil thought he could do to kill me will only make us stronger and we will tell a story of God's redemption. Hallelujah. Somebody shout. Somebody shout. Hey. Because I can't lose. Because even if I suffer with him, I receive the resurrection of the dead. Everybody stand. Music, come on up. There's a good enough place as any then. Hallelujah. One more shout to the Lord. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.